so much talking oh my god when i when i agreed to do this podcast i didn't realize <laughs> we'd be talking so much i'd much rather dance <laughs> <laughs> why did why do you laugh so hard it was funny <laughs> hmm. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Two Takes on Film, the only podcast that believes in aliens. My name is Wyatt, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Heather Davenport. Hello. And we are two best friends who love talking about all things movies. So if that sounds interesting to you, make sure to like and follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. That being said, thanks for joining us today. We've got a great episode. We're going to review the movies Flea and Parallel Mothers. But before we do that, Heather's got some news from the world of movie musicals, uh, specifically Disney movie musicals. Mm -hmm. So, Heather, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Wyatt. Um, Hi, everyone. So if you have been with us for a little while, even not a long while, just a little while, the past couple months. Just a um, while. Just, just a, a, a just medium a general while. general while uh-huh. um you may have been around when we reviewed the movie Encanto um that was back in November December? December? November yeah November yeah something like that um if you uh have been awake over the past couple months you have probably heard about Encanto even if you don't have small children in your life or in your home, um, you have probably seen something on social media, or maybe you yourself have watched Encanto, have heard the music. Hopefully you know what we're talking about. Encanto has been um, making some history, breaking some records, if you will. Um, We don't talk about Bruno, probably the most popular song from the movie Mm -hmm. currently, or one of the the more yeah. popular songs from the movie. Um, it has become the first song from a Disney movie to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart since A Whole New World from Aladdin, which did it in 1993. Years, years and years and years has been the top uh, song. So Encanto is, it's just taking over. I also saw something that was really interesting this week that um, when the creators were making the characters and talking about the character design, Louisa, who is one of the sisters who has the gift of strength um, Mm -hmm. in the film, she has, she is large. She is built. She is ripped. She has huge muscles. Um, and as this story was being pitched to Disney execs, they actually didn't want her to have big muscles, Hmm. uh, which again, just, you know, unrealistic expectations, um, of like, she would have the strength, but she wouldn't physically show muscles. She would Uh be like small and petite as most, female Disney characters are. Um, but the creators fought really hard for her design and all of that. All of that being said, I would I would argue you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I would argue and say that I think unrealistic unrealistic expectations are that you can get muscles that big. Because <laughs> I'm telling you now, every single week, yeah. every week I do a push up and yeah. I'm not even close. Yeah. One, one a week for, for one at single least a year. Up. Yeah. yeah well, well, I mean, how like you can't. <laughs> no, I can't do two. <laughs> that would sure. be ridiculous, sure. you know. Sure. But yeah. I am not even close to Louisa. Yeah. Where am I represented? 
where where is someone like me represented in media hmm? uh-huh. that's what i want to uh-huh. know yeah yeah if you've if you've never uh, seen a picture of wyatt or have any uh context for who he is he's a white have. male yeah, you have just <laughs> you have seen him movie. everywhere <laughs> you've just, you just seen me yeah yeah um but like i was saying um uh whoever is responsible for uh, deciding like merch for a movie, say, say like frozen, the frozen merch situation is insane. Mm -hmm. There's so much frozen merch. So as they were creating merch for Encanto, um, whoever was making decisions (laughs) thought that Mirabelle and, um, what's the, the pretty sister's name? I don't remember her name. Oh, uh, It, I don't remember. Is it Annalisa, maybe? Mm, I don't think that's right. Anyways, no. Mirabel, the main character and uh-huh. the, the the traditionally pretty sister, um, yes. they are largely the ones who are on merch because that's uh-huh. what the creators thought that kids might want. Well, Louisa's character has actually become insanely popular and her song um, is is equally or close to as popular as we don't talk about Bruno. Um, and I know that there have been people who have, who have kids who have wanted to have like a Louisa birthday party, but she is not on any of the merch. Hmm. Yeah, they need to get get some Louisa like action figures. She's like the Hulk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's way more fun to play with than just like a regular looking person. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah, <laughs> so, totally. It's a weirdly formed sentence, but I, I yeah. you know, like, yeah, she yeah. needs to have she, her It's a, it's an untapped market that I think yeah. they, they, it's a missed opportunity. But, um, so this is really exciting for Encanto and, um, yeah, you have some strong opinions about <laughs> Encanto's songs. You know, I, I did, I did think that, and I'm, you can, I'm not like, you can go back and, and listen to our review of, Enc- yeah. of Encanto and I listed Louisa's song I don't remember the title of it um yeah. and and we don't talk about Bruno as my mm-hmm. the the two standouts for me as my least favorite least songs favorite. from the movie <laughs> it's not even that I think they're like least catchy or anything like that I just mm-hmm. thought that like in the context of the rest of the film they mm-hmm. I just did not enjoy their presence yeah. but you know like it's it's not my market sure. I don't like listen to uh Disney movie songs too often outside mm-hmm. of the like experiencing the film. So yeah. whatever is popular, popular. It's it's yeah. fine. Yeah. I have a question. You seem to know a lot about the state of Frozen's merch. Oh. Do you own any Frozen merch? Oh, I don't own any Frozen merch, but I have purchased a lot of Frozen merch mm-hmm. because I have a niece who right. is wildly obsessed with with the Frozen franchise. Yeah. Personally, um, I can't stop buying frozen merch. It's a problem. I've, yeah, what's your favorite? I've piece? bought so much that my bank account is now also frozen. Like everything in my life is just frozen. You also are currently frozen. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. So that's uh appropriate timing. <laughs> I I planned that as the third yeah. stage of that joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you did. Uh but, well, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, as we were um talking about this and this great accomplish for accomplishment for Encanto, um, Wyatt and I just got to talking about some other Disney songs that we love. And, uh, I personally would say I am someone who not, not frequently as much anymore as I used to, but I love throwing on a good Disney playlist and Mm -hmm. it just like sparks joy in my life and in my soul. And, uh, so I love a good Disney song. I love, love what's out there. Um, but I would love to know from you, maybe what some of your, your favorites are. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this and very quickly came to the realization that it's going to be from Lion King. And sure. while there's so many great ones to choose from Lion King, I think that the circle of life is just an all timer mm-hmm. an all timer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I was able to see it live performed by Hans yeah. Zimmer and oh. company as well as the original singer. Often when it's performed like on 
you know the uh the broadway like uh version of lion king and stuff they don't have i'm forgetting his name but the original singer uh of the the initial mm-hmm. uh, recording you know mm-hmm. or no like the initial sunrise opening oh yeah that yeah, whole yeah. part um yeah. and he was actually there in la at the performance that i was at singing it it was absolutely inspiring hans Zimmer actually met him at he worked on his car like in like a uh auto repair type oh, wow. shop and then they struck up some sort of conversation and he revealed that he sung and was looking for work and blah 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 and he was in the process of writing the music for lion king when that happened and it was just you know a colliding cool. of perfect uh perfect situations so yeah. i think that that song is just it, it almost feels like cheating because it transcends like movie musical songs it's not it doesn't even it doesn't even uh, advance a story it doesn't give mm-hmm. us better understanding to a character it introduces us to a world but it's the world we live in it's you know it's it's nature like it very much just captures an essence of a film an essence of a world in the film which is very much just you know planet earth so it's like mm-hmm. it, it captures the essence of life it's the circle of life like it's 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 kind of you know it's it's top tier it, it's it's almost overpowered in a way where it's like is that even a fair choice to make? Because no, no song is going to like be on that same level. Sure. Well, that's really nice for you that that is your favorite song. Um, when I was thinking about my favorite song, there was one in particular that just immediately came to mind, um, and puts me in my feels and it's, I see the light from tangled. Um, I'm sure you know it. If you have seen tangled, it is this beautiful special moment um where Rapunzel and Flynn Rider are out on the little boat and they've gone on this really long dangerous journey together and they have finally reached the point where she gets to see the lanterns and it's her birthday and it's just the most beautiful magic of her just experiencing this thing that she has been longing for her whole life. And he is there with her and they've built this really special relationship and bond. And he has like completed and led her on this journey to get her to this point. And they're just experiencing it together and it's beautiful. And all the lanterns in the sky are just stunning. And then the little, um, what's he called a chameleon he's sitting on the bow of the boat and he's just so cute anyways it's magical the other disney song that really also uh gets me in my feels and just makes me want to like conquer something uh would be colors of the wind from pocahontas Mm -hmm. that is another Mm -hmm. one that like makes me emotional when i hear it so yeah definitely in my humble opinion any conversation about uh, the best of Disney's animated original films yeah. that doesn't include Tangled is a failed conversation from sure. the start. It's up there. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I also wanted to give a shout out. We talked about anything, literally anything from this Tarzan soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Just absolutely phenomenal. Phil, Phil Collins, Collins just had no right. all all timer. What, what did you say? He had no right to give us something oh. that was at every turn so incredible amazing yeah yeah an all-timer of a of a musician and a vocalist just giving it his all and it truly is one of those things where take out phil collins Mm -hmm. and tarzan as a movie is nothing we would not remember that movie like no one would remember that movie i and i apologize this is not meant to take anything away from anyone else who worked on the movie i'm not (laughs) saying that they didn't do a good job or that you know if people on movies work to to complement each other's work but that is like the emotional drive mm-hmm. of the entire film it's the creative drive of the entire film it feels like and i know this isn't how it worked back then because they couldn't have but it feels like they animated around his music which is just speaks to really how good he is at writing sure. music in yeah. the scenes and the fact that he it's really just like his full on creative vision for it that influenced the film so much and just gave us like a, a classic classic film mm-hmm. and an even more you know iconic soundtrack and yeah. um i think this is a fairly well-known like kind of fun fact but phil collins actually recorded his soundtrack for that movie not only in english is his language 
but I believe also in French, Spanish, and one other. Like, mm. I think there were three other languages because he didn't want it playing in other parts of the country without it being like his voice. His. He didn't want a dub, uh, uh, a dubbed version um, of his songs. So he learned his songs in those languages and sang them. And to to just memorize the song, one song, let alone all, you know, whatever, 20 songs mm-hmm. is one thing. To be able to memorize exactly, it's one thing to be able to speak a language. It's another mm-hmm. to be able to speak it like the right way, put the right inflections on the right things. Mm-hmm. Then to be able to sing those words is another thing. Because like, that's why translations with songs are kind of funny sometimes is because the vocals need to be uh, musical themselves. And sometimes that doesn't translate like what sounds good as a two sentences in a row in English, you switch it to Spanish and it might sound like choppier or something because Mm -hmm. it doesn't, those words don't necessarily end with the same letters or have the same flow to them. So to be able to like figure that all out and still perform it in a way that is just like, that's incredible. And also, I mean, if you memorize the entire soundtrack, to and maybe more than memorize if he truly understood the translations of all of his soundtrack into mm-hmm. another language he would walk away with like a pretty decent understanding of that language more yeah. so than most people will ever have mm-hmm. so i wonder if he can i mean I if you can like do that, that you're i feel like you're halfway there yeah. to being like close to you know conversational mm-hmm. in a language mm-hmm. i feel like music has been not that I have done this personally, but I have heard that listening to music in other languages really does help and aid in the process of you learning yeah, that language. I think, and, and I also see people, especially as like a movie lover, people have suggested watch your favorite movies in oh, uh-huh. another language without subtitles hmm. because I know them by heart kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like music, film, uh, art like that is kind of a universal language even if Mm -hmm. the words aren't always the same like we have a connection with it that kind of like fills in the blanks when we're listening to it um so i think that's that's super helpful and like you know if it is a song where you just know every word then Mm -hmm. you don't even have to sit there and read what this word means like you know what that word is because you could sing the song like I was going to say blindfolded. That's not how that works, but it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like you can sing yeah. the song without reading the lyrics at all. Yeah. So anyway, incredible yeah. accomplishment, incredible score mm-hmm. and yeah. incredible guy from all accounts. I really don't sure. know. That's yeah. a, that's a, Seems a like claim it. that I have no basis for other than he's amazing. Music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's our little spiel on Disney music. Um, if you haven't seen Encanto, I would encourage you to see it. Uh, it's currently streaming on Disney Plus. And then after you watch it, go listen to our episode where we talk about it um, and let us know how you felt. Did you agree with us? Do you have different thoughts about Encanto? Do you relate with any of the characters or have you been singing? We don't talk about Bruno every morning when you wake up, like so many other people, um, seem to be. So that's that. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to some movie reviews. The first movie we're going to review is flea. Uh, this movie premiered at Sundance last year. So January of 2021 and was all the rave amongst the, uh, animated films, critic circles throughout the year. And luckily, uh, was able to come to America via some video on demand, some rentals, and some theater showings, depending on where you live, although not a lot, uh, late last year. And Heather and I got around to watching it recently. Flea is an animated documentary that tells the story of the life of Amin Nawabi through his own words. Using several interviews, Amin is given to a longtime friend. The movie chronicles his life as a refugee, fleeing Afghanistan as a young boy to present day allowing him to open up about a life defined by secrets and being on the run. Hmm. Now, this this movie is a documentary. I don't want to stress the fact that it's animated first, and I'll get to that in a second. We've seen animation, though, be a very helpful tool Mm -hmm. in documentaries. In the past few years, movies like um, Waltz with Bashir and uh, Persepolis, which was like 2007 or something like that, um, both of those kind of having political tones to them that's not necessarily the case but it helps uh 
we've seen animation used as a helpful tool to documentaries to tell the stories in engaging ways when we don't have footage. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not stories about people who are constantly being filmed. We're, they're not even stories about people who just happen to grow up with a camcorder, you know, and have shot a ton of footage. So the filmmaker has that to utilize. Yeah. Uh, it's not even a story where we really have good footage of like what was happening there. Mm -hmm. Even the scenes that take place in Afghanistan, that we probably have some sort of military footage from mm -hmm. a helicopter or something is not the same. Like you can't necessarily just watch nothing but those kind of cut scenes while listening to voices. Utilizing the animation not only is just a way to create like an artistic um, and visual style to your film that you can kind of line up and 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 present as more cohesive, it's a very engaging way. You know, we we feel each moment, we connect to each moment, like we're watching something unfold in mm -hmm. a drama, but we very much know it's real. The structure of this documentary is simply an interview. Um, there are there are bumps along the way that feel so human um, because they, they really are. Something like uh, the interviewee's cat, like knocking over a bowl mm -hmm. in the background. I don't remember if that's an exact thing that happens, but the microphones that they were using to interview each other picked that up and that's just something that's animated into the film it gives you very much a uh just a, a feeling of being present in this mm -hmm. room that this conversation is happening and it really is just a conversation it's it's two friends they've known each other for a long time mm -hmm. one like i said i mean which that's not his real name i mm -hmm. found out it's it's a pseudonym that he uses for his own protection um but one which i mean has has never told before even to those closest to him um mm -hmm. for fear of you know backlash for fear of the multiple illegal things they had to do for their own safety yeah. and to get to get to the point where he is now. And he's never opened up about this and, and he's moving forward in his life, getting ready to marry his boyfriend. And, mm -hmm. you know, he feels like now's the time. And so I don't know if his friend was already a filmmaker or mm -hmm. something like that, or a journalist of some sort, but he agrees to an interview with him. And you can even hear the, uh, the journey of, I think, how they realized they were going to present this story through the audio, the quality of the audio recording. Hmm. In the first couple of scenes, I was having a really hard time hearing it. Hmm. And I did have to watch it in a house, like it was just on a TV. And I wasn't necessarily like right up next to the TV. And But I, I still was feeling like, hmm, this is concerning. Like I'm having a hard time hearing the dialogue. And what I think happened is I don't know if they necessarily started out this process thinking right. we're going to turn this into a movie. Mm -hmm. They were just recording an interview. You actually see animations of their interview happening and you can see a boom mic animated into the shot, which is probably just an animation based on a real shot that they did film with a camera yeah. just to have. And then later on, you never see that boom mic again because they probably realized, oh, this is how we're going to do things. It's mm -hmm. going to be much more of like a first person narrative. Mm -hmm. Let's give him a lapel. Like, let's give him something closer to his body. That way, when we edit it into the film, it's way easier to do that with two people talking yeah. and two lapels rather than a boom mic just standing over them. Mm -hmm. And you're not catching as much sound around that kind of makes the film quieter and that kind of thing. So yeah, the film is really edited around the real interview that's happening like the the animation shows exactly what it is little things like him laying on a laying on like a, a couch type thing to do the interview mm -hmm. kind of like you would at like a psychiatric office mm -hmm. and when he first lays he's too far down on the frame and he has to ask him to scoot up a little bit like scoot back so his head is further in the frame which makes me realize they probably were filming it from the mm -hmm. get-go yeah. and that's a real interaction that happened you don't have to include that yeah you know in a real documentary showing natural footage they'd probably just edit that out mm -hmm. but now having animated i think they wanted to utilize animation to create a more engaging story but never let you forget that this is very much a real story being told yeah. by the actual person it happened to and i think that they strike a perfect balance here i think that they do a really good job it genuinely feels at times like you're watching a, a straight up like action thriller like mm -hmm. it's, it's intense. It's, it's moving, it's gripping yet. You never lose sight of the fact that like, no, this is, this is a, this is a man telling us his story and it's, you know, you're able to connect with it on that mm -hmm. level while still feel so much more engaged than you, you would if you just sat there and watched a person talk. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, yeah, it was amazing. And, and, and the animation, you know, speaking of it purely in technical terms is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. It has 
a very almost rotoscoped feel to it where it feels jagged at times, um, almost like drawn stop motion um, and animated form, kind of like uh, Linklater's films like Waking Life that he kind of experimented with that rotoscope animation. It feels like that, but it also switches up different animating styles. Mm-hmm. It's not one style throughout the whole film. Uh, scenes that are happening, you know, in the actual interview are one style. Scenes that are happening as the story that he's telling are different. And then scenes, other scenes that are happening in the story are like a third style. There's probably even more that I'm forgetting about in the moment, but they do a good job at separating kind of the different tones and the different timelines. It's not super confusing to you. Am I watching something that's happening present day? Mm -hmm. They don't need to say this is where they are. This is, first of all, I mean, the narrator is telling you all that and they do a good job of visually indicating that as well. I also really enjoy the scenes that feel more watercolor in nature Mm -hmm. and they're much more fluid, um, much more impressionistic. And they're often shown to represent scenes where the narrator either doesn't fully remember the situation or maybe is kind of choosing not to fully remember mm-hmm. the situation um, because of how like harrowing it was. Mm-hmm. Also situations that were just very chaotic. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't go in and try to show you exactly what it looked like to run out of the city as it was being bombed in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. They go in and they show you what like an impressionist painter would paint as that. And I think that's a representation of Amir's, um, of his, or uh, sorry, I means memory. Mm-hmm. of that moment I, I I don't either from choice or from nature I feel like if something like that happened to me I would look back at it as a blur yeah. people say that all the time about traumatic events that happened mm-hmm. to them you know that it was a blur and you're able to kind of see that and visual, like, visually represented through the animation I think that's super super cool and and mm-hmm. all three different styles of animation that they use are gorgeous absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous um Speaking of, you know, it being an animated film, it is shortlisted right now uh, on the list for um, best animated feature and best documentary for the Academy Awards. So that's basically the list, large list that the Academy has put out as like potential films being nominated for any category. It's not who will, it's more than who will, but it's like, we kind of know that it's in the conversation, which is cool that it's, it, it succeeds both as an animated film enough mm-hmm. to be nominated for that and as a documentary enough to be nominated for that category. Mm-hmm. However, I do want to say, and this is a problem I have with the Academy. This is a problem I have with the way people talk about and approach animated films in general. But if I walked away from this movie with like one defining note, I took away from it. It's that we need to stop talking about animation as a genre. Hmm. It's not a genre of film. Hmm. Kids films could are, is a, is a big genre of films documentaries are genres of films mm-hmm. uh and even documentaries war stories mm-hmm. that's a genre refugee mm-hmm. stories that's a subgenre of war uh you know human dramas animation is simply a vehicle this is simply mm-hmm. a creative choice they could have shown this in other ways they could have made it into a book they could have made it into a podcast mm-hmm. so you know i i just i don't want the animated um aspect of this film to hold anyone back there's nothing inherent yeah about animation that says this is a genre it's it's aimed towards children it's anything like that it is as much a creative choice as making something live action is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that it would have been a lot easier for them to just show the footage that they took of this interview and then show a few you know old footage of the places they're talking about like a lot of tv documentaries do or documentaries back in the day did um to put in this work is a is a very direct creative decision that they mm-hmm. made and i think mm-hmm. it really 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 pays off yeah um just a quick note on potential oscar nomination is it also being considered or shortlisted for international feature you know i don't know if it is okay the, the two that i heard were animated and documentary there's a lot of strong international dramas mm-hmm. this year mm-hmm. yeah and it's hard for documentaries to um, push their way into that if they do, they're almost always doubled up as well. Like Collective last year, mm-hmm. being nominated for both, um, both feature, uh, foreign feature film and, sorry, foreign language film and feature documentary film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. Um. But the two that I saw were 
were documentary and <clears throat> animated. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But yeah. either way, I think it's something definitely worth watching. However, this is a harrowing story. Yeah. This is not a necessarily fun time. Um, you're watching someone relive in very hard ways sometimes a, a tragic, I don't even want to say part of his life, his life. Mm-hmm. You know, what has defined his life? Um, and I think it does that in it, it, it never holds back from the realities of the situation. However, for all the harshness, there's such a intrinsic gentleness to the way the film is presented. And I think mm-hmm. maybe this has a lot to do with Amin and, and his personality. He's a very gentle man. He's a very mm-hmm. gentle person. And this is really him just telling his story. So, yeah. you know, you're going to, his personality is going to mm-hmm. dictate kind of the style of the film, but while it shows, you know, you're there, you're watching refugees get put into the bottom of a boat that has water in it by human traffickers. You're watching them flee from, like I said, cities that are being bombed. You know, it shows all that. The moments that stand out um, are the gentler, the, the, the more intimate connections he has with people or things mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you know, his relationship with his siblings and the turbulence of that and him ultimately coming out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's some of the most touching, you know, parts of the movie, yeah. his relationship with the, a little bit older boy that he traveled with uh, into when they landed and he had to go to Denmark, mm-hmm. um, which he was only with for what seemed like maybe a matter of a day or two. Yeah. And the kind of like, crush he had on him and the kindness that the boy showed him mm-hmm. and just like how that stuck with him the two days you know with that person has stuck with him even now uh i think are like the real standout moments mm-hmm. of the film for me mm-hmm. um in the end and i don't know how to pinpoint pinpoint it there was a little something missing from this film mm. And I don't know exactly what it was, but there's just something, some tangible connection, some excitement. And I don't mean excitement like, ooh, exciting story. Just some excitement. I've watched other films like this that I just really felt like a power from. Yeah. And this film didn't quite grab me like that the whole way. There were powerful moments and there were moments that I felt really touching and really connected to. But other than that, I just with all the hype going into it for over a year now, I had a little bit higher expectations and maybe that's my own fault. And you listener probably don't even, you know, probably haven't even heard of this movie. So forget what I said, go into it with low expectations and have a really great time. And it it really, I don't think it comes down to solely expectations, but there was just something a little bit missing this film. That's kind of lowering it on my overall kind of scale in my head. Mm -hmm. And I, and I truly can't sit here and say exactly what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think it was perfect. I think it could have been a little bit better, but overall a really great film. I think that ultimately, you know, this film is, is a story about this man and showing the impact on a person that a life of hiding can do and hiding Mm -hmm. in every way, hiding Mm -hmm. where he is, who he is, um, his intentions, where he's going, where he's from, and, and it's something that he's still dealing with. There are still legal repercussions to him and his family's actions. I mean, even with the release of this movie, he's not giving us his real name. Like mm-hmm. he's still, while certainly he feels like he's at a place where he can open up and tell his story. And we're so grateful that he has, there's still, it's, it's never going to be something that he can't deal. Like he, he won't have to deal with anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think the movie is just works as kind of a portrait of, of how that impacts someone and how that, mm-hmm. how that uh, can affect someone's life. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, and it means Casey's doing a terrific job with it, all things mm-hmm. considered. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's just a really cool story to watch and be a part of. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon or Apple or I mean, iTunes, excuse me. Uh, and I, again, it might be showing in a theater near you, depending mm-hmm. on where you live. Uh, you can rent it for just a couple dollars like Heather and I both did. It's only an hour and a half long. So it's a pretty short watch. Um, definitely not, you know, a, a pick me up, feel good movie. Yeah. But if you, if it's a conversation that 
you feel like you want to have more of, you know, like kind of hearing the stories of refugees uh, or just something that sounds interesting to you, I would really mm-hmm. encourage you to cut out a 90 minute section of your day and, and mm-hmm. give it a watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, we've been seeing the the preview for it for a really long time. So um, it was something that I was excited for, but ultimately I didn't have a ton of uh, expectations for it, you know, going into it or anything like that. Um, especially because the style of animation is just a little bit different than, um, what I think, uh, I'm mostly (laughs) maybe used to. Um, but it's just some incredible storytelling. And I think the fact that the interview was done between, Amin and his friend, like his lifelong friend just created such a, um, like safe and comfortable space for him to tell his story. And, um, it just felt like there was a lot of, of compassion and trust. And I think that really came through. And, um, like you mentioned at one point, like they could have told this, this story in a number of different ways. And I would have listened to it if it was like a podcast because it was just that compelling. Um, and I think that animation on top of that is just like creates this whole picture for you that Mm -hmm. just makes it a really rich experience. Um, yeah, I, it was emotional and, uh, I think, I think I felt a whole spectrum of emotions while watching it. It is a hard story to listen to, um, especially if you haven't heard a lot of stories of refugees or immigrants and and what they have to endure in order to get to a safe space. Um, so it is it is a hard watch. It's you don't necessarily get to the end and feel. Um, like happy light feelings, but I think it's an important story. And I think, um, it's, it's just done really well also has an excellent score with it that Mm -hmm. I think just made it, um, also really compelling. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Um, so that is flea. That's our thoughts on flea. Um, if you guys have seen this movie, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. If you haven't even heard of this movie and now sounds like you really want to watch it, uh, also let us know. We love to hear that uh, our words inspired you to go check something out because that's really the point of the podcast is to get you guys to consume as much film as possible. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our next review, Heather, are you ready to give us your thoughts on Parallel Mothers? I am ready. So uh, another international film for you through... Um, Parallel Mothers is is the film that I'm talking about. Uh, It is the latest from Spanish writer and director Pedro Almodovar, uh, who has quite an extensive resume um, of Spanish works in particular. This is my first exposure to Pedro's work, um, but we were talking, Wyatt, you and I were talking recently about his film from 2019, Pain and Glory, um, which stars Antonio Banderas and also Penelope Cruz, who is in Parallel Mothers, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, But that one was Oscar nominated. Is that correct? Slash, did it win something? Uh his, I no, it did not. His performance, okay. Antonio Banderas' performance, was Oscar nominated. Okay, I don't think that Penelope Cruz's was. I know his was, uh, and then it was also nominated for best uh, foreign language film. But of course, okay. that year, the award went to Parasite. Sure, sure. So, yeah. It was nominated for those two. It also might have received a screenplay nomination. Okay, but I, I, the two that I specifically remember were foreign language film and Antonio Banderas performance. Yeah. Did you see it? I did. Yeah. You did. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is that the only other, uh, no, my first, my first exposure to Almodovar was the skin I live in, in 2011, also starring Antonio Banderas. And it is actually a, a psychological, psychological thriller, horror film about a plastic surgeon. Um, that is very, very good. If you like Mm. a kind of, uh, messed up twisty, uh, psychological not too horror film that's a good one okay yeah Yeah. good to know um well yes 
again, Parallel Mothers is Pedro's most recent work. And it's the story of two women, Janice and Anna, who meet each other while they're actually in the maternity ward uh, waiting to give birth. Both women are pregnant with baby girls. They both Uh, kind of accidentally became pregnant and they both intend to leave the hospital as single mothers and kind of uh, live their life as single mothers. So um, through their time in the hospital together, they really bond over those different parts of their story and their lives and um, really quickly create a bond um, that we know will last a lifetime. Um, the film continues on to show us kind of both of their lives separately after they've given birth and have left the hospital. Um, but also really takes us on a journey that eventually shows us just how connected they actually are. Um, Parallel Mothers, it was an engaging watch. It kept me on my toes. There were certainly some interesting story choices that, uh, caught me off guard. (laughs) And I think there were some unnecessary elements, some flawed or unfinished storylines, um, just that I think left me feeling, um, a little more critical of the film than I was supportive. So for that reason, I think I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 is how I feel about it. So it is pretty high. (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, uh, per usual, I struggled a little bit on that. Have but... you, how, in the history of this podcast, have you ever rated anything below a six? Uh, below a six? Um, well, I don't know, because sometimes you review things that I probably, that mm-hmm. I might rate lower, but I don't end up reviewing them, sure. you know, so I get sure. away with it. But yeah. I am generous. I know, I know. But, uh, okay. So for some of the things that I enjoyed about it, again, this is my first exposure to Almodovar. So I know that some of these things are really common in his works. Um, the first of which is that this is really visually stunning and compelling. It's set in Madrid and, um, the coloring of everything, there is just no shortage of color, uh, in every, place that he can put it, the homes, um, the landscape, their outfits, cars, everything. It's just super vibrant and vivid. Um, and yeah, I think there's just a lot of beautiful things to look at both in, um, the main characters that we're interacting with, but also the homes that they live in are really beautiful and well-styled. Um, and then of course, just the country that they are, in and surrounded by. So a super visual treat, uh, with every scene, um, with just overall a really stunning color palette. Mm -hmm. Um, secondly, both of our lead characters had really great chemistry with each other. And, um, I think both were really compelling in their own individual storylines, but were even more compelling when they were together. Um, so Janice is played by, um, just the stunning Penelope Cruz, which I thought that she was a lot older than she actually is. She's 47. I saw this with my friend, Ashley, Ashley, and yeah, we had the same conversation. Yeah. Um, where is she, Penelope Cruz is, is strange because I wouldn't say that she looks 20 you know like no she definitely doesn't look as old as she is however she looks older she, she looks like not an older woman but she doesn't look like a young woman necessarily mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. still just maintains mm-hmm. like that beauty that like kind of young beauty but without yeah necessarily looking younger you yeah. know I, I don't yeah. know if that's a correct way to describe that yeah. but we were having that conversation when the movie first started and then mm-hmm. We were, we were kind of both like, wait, how old is she? I, mm-hmm. I honestly thought maybe she was like mid fifties. Same. Yeah. Same. Totally. But she so, was younger. Yeah. Her, her character Janice is, um, approaching her forties. So I think that was also what threw me off was she wasn't quite yet 40, <laughs> which meant that she was in her thirties. But right. as I was watching it, I was like, Penelope Cruz is not that young. <laughs> like, I, like you said, I thought of her more as in her fifties. So we looked it up afterwards. She is 47. She looks great. She looks amazing. But, um, so her, her character Janice is, uh, 
approaching her forties. She is rooted. She's grounded. She's settled in her life. Um, she's a professional photographer and, um, she, we really see her kind of gladly accept this motherhood that has really been thrust upon her again. Um, her getting pregnant was an accident that it wasn't planned, but it really is something that she, she welcomes at, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, at this stage in her life. Um, and then opposite her, Anna is played by Milena Smith, um, who is relatively new, mm-hmm. um, in her acting career and has mostly done, foreign language films. Is that right? Do you know much about her? So I really don't know much about her, but I believe that's true. So, um, she, on the other hand, uh, play Anna is 17 years old and has a pretty complicated family life. Her parents are divorced and, um, seem to kind of pass her back and forth kind of as like an object, as opposed to their daughter. It feels like there's just not only, that her parents are kind of dealing with their own thing, but then that her relation to them just feels complicated. Uh Um, And she has actually become a mother through really tragic and painful circumstances. And although she, she accepts that and accepts the fate of becoming a mother, um, she does so (laughs) with little to no excitement or um, support even from her family. She just approaches it with a lot of fear, obviously, because um, she's very young and and doesn't have a support system. Um, But yeah, both of these actresses just take on these roles really well. And um, Melina Smith, although she is new and much younger, I feel like she really held her own against Mm -hmm. someone like Penelope Cruz, who is so experienced and seasoned. And, um, we just really get to see their relationship develop throughout the course of the film because of this bond and what they have in common. Um, but again, their relationship, uh, goes through a lot and changes Mm -hmm. a lot throughout the the course of the movie. So it becomes a lot more than just two people who happen to give birth on the same day. So, um, the last thing that I, uh, will point out that I just really enjoyed was again, the score, um, just really tied everything together beautifully. It was done by Alberto Iglesias, who has also been a longtime collaborator of Almodovar's. It seems mm-hmm. that he, uh, that Almodovar can like does that, <laughs> that he uses yeah, he a lot of the same, the same people. people. Yeah. As um, many filmmakers do. Totally. Um, but even someone like Penelope Cruz, I think this is her eighth Almodovar film wow, that she yeah. has been in. So, um, yeah, anyways, the score is very string heavy, um, super intense at times, even like uh, horror feeling <laughs> at times. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, just intense. And uh, I think just was a great addition to to the film. An, an, a quick note on not the score, but Penelope yeah. Cruz and her collaborations with him. I love to see, uh, well, in this case, like Antonio Banderas and, and Penelope, Cru- Penelope Cruz. I don't know about Banderas. I know Cruz kind of got her start with Almodovar mm. through his films to see her achieve Hollywood success. I mean, she yeah. could really be in any movie she wants to and still choose to you know go back and work mm-hmm. with him, even though his film haven't necessarily broken out sure and become a, a you know a hollywood mainstay i love when actors and actresses um you know kind of not even pay dividends to the roots but respect the fact that mm-hmm. it's still like work they want to take part in and the yeah. roles that they want to play like i always that think that's loyalty really cool. yeah 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 it's it's a loyalty but not even in like a a debt kind of way just like totally. a, a connection uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to move into some of the things that I didn't like as much. Do you want to add anything else uh, before I do that? Um, no, I think that, uh, like you said, I was really, I'm sorry, what is the younger actress's name? Melena Smith. Melena Smith. I was really impressed by her. I think she holds her own, if not honestly, kind of stands out to me mm-hmm. as the highlight act, uh, performance of the film amongst, amongst much more seasoned actors and working with a director who is you know, big time compared to anything that yeah. she's done. Um, I certainly was engaged, had a very yeah. fun time watching the film. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I did really enjoy it. And I agree with 
basically everything that you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving into some of the things I didn't like as much, which I would love to hear uh, your thoughts and input on mm-hmm. some of these things. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm going to interrupt you one more time. Remind oh, yeah. me the remind me the composer's name. Um, um, Alberto Iglesias. Oh, never mind. Oh, I have. Uh, I just quickly pulled up uh, Almodovar's. I just Googled him and his oh, Wikipedia's uh-huh. first and under partners is listed as Fernando Iglesias. So I, oh. I didn't realize, I couldn't remember what first name he oh, said. And I said, sure. oh, is that his partner? But just another person with the same name. Sure. Yeah. Um. So the first thing, uh, well, these are not, they're not in any particular order. <laughs> One of the things uh, that stuck out to me, it felt as though there were some interesting technical choices of where there were some scenes or shots that felt like they were filmed in front of a green screen. Um, Hmm. and it felt, it, (laughs) it felt like a pretty stark contrast to, to overall, like I said, I really enjoyed the visuals of this film, but there were a few times where they were inside or something where it just, it literally felt like they were like a single character was standing in front of a green screen. And it just felt a little like cheesy and unnecessary to me. Um, a little bit confusing as to why that was a choice that was made. Um, And then additionally, there were some times where at the end of a scene, as it was transitioning, it would fade to black and like um, spotlight in on Janice in particular. Um, But that felt also inconsistent as to when that was happening and just made me question why it was happening. So I don't know if you noticed those things or how I definitely did not exactly the same ways. I didn't notice a ton of what I thought was green screen usage. Mm -hmm. Um, When we would focus in on say objects and characters hands, uh, Mm -hmm. it would seem in stagnant shot that everything was about as HD as the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. And the film makes no attempt to appear like it's from any time period to really have a style. It's, It's pretty clear the whole time. Once we start moving around with those objects still in close up, it's like we're on zoom. Hmm. Um, it's like the camera's not tracking. It's literally zoomed in hmm. and it feels like all of a sudden we jump to like a almost too fast of a frame rate. Hmm. It's kind of a style that you see in like telenovelas, which, yeah. which made me think, is this paying homage to, right. to like Spanish soap operas, to totally. kind of television, daytime television and the way that that's filmed because it had that kind of almost disorienting sense where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is like too clear for the movement Mm -hmm. for the like amount that this is moving. We're not seeing any motion blur in the image. We're just seeing the complete image and it feels like the frame rate jumps too high and it just kind of makes us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I also saw use of split diopter or uh, the split focus shots where you might have someone standing quite close to the camera Mm -hmm. and then someone doing something in the background kind of Mm -hmm. off to the left and you can see both equally both, Mm -hmm. you know, say my face, that is covering half the frame that's 10 inches away from the camera mm-hmm. and you working in the kitchen 30 feet behind me mm-hmm. off to the other, like the left side of the frame, you can see both just as clear. And it's mm-hmm. very, very strange feeling to watch mm-hmm. Horror movie. Jordan Peele uses that a lot. Um, horror movies use it to throw off the audience to mm-hmm. create a sense of visual kind of um, distortion and yeah. in, in the viewer's minds why it was used in this film i mm-hmm. couldn't i couldn't point out i i i was trying to and it wasn't even used in every shot that it could it's not like yeah. he just used it as a standard shot for that format other times he framed things with shallow focus or deeper mm-hmm. focus uh, but that split focus shot like um i couldn't indicate any sort of reason storytelling yeah. storytelling storytelling reason for him to use it uh mm-hmm. it was interesting to me i mean yeah. i i guess as far as I could gather, I chalk it up to style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, okay. Secondly, it kind of felt like uh, there were multiple purposes, multiple messages that he was trying to communicate and ultimately feels ultimately those messages felt pretty disjointed to me and it kind of felt like 
this could have been two separate films, but they were put together. Um, and that out of those two storylines, one storyline did not get enough time for it to feel significant. So uh, the film opens up with Janice photographing an archaeologist named Arturo, who ultimately ends up becoming the father of her child. Um, and after photographing Arturo, Janice approaches him and um, asks if he would be willing to uh, kind of take on um, this task, this project of, of doing a dig to, to unearth some of Janice's family members who were buried in this mass grave during the Spanish civil war. Um, so her family is wanting, her family believes that they know where they are, but it's an unmarked grave and they want to be able to give them a proper burial. And, um, so she's asking Arturo to kind of be a part of this and to, to lead this, um, this mission, if you will. And Arturo agrees and kind of begins the process of having this company that he works with, this organization, um, go through the process of, of doing this dig essentially. So that's how the film opens up. Um, but then we transition into the story of, of Janice and Anna and being pregnant and having babies. And, um, it kind of switches to that story and really sits there for the majority of the runtime of the film. Um, and the, the storyline of Janice's family and the dig and all of that is slightly peppered in throughout, but right. it, it is very minor up until the end of the movie, um, where it really comes back with a vengeance and kind of becomes the main focus again. So, um, I will say, I do not know a lot of the history behind the Spanish civil war. I know that there is a lot, um, that this, that, is trying to be communicated here. I know that it's a sensitive subject. I know that people are still current current day um, dealing with with this and with with the past of that, especially in their families. Um, however, if that was something that that was to be explored and was to be kind of a big storyline. I just wish that they would have given more time to it because it felt like an afterthought, <laughs> even though it's how we started and how we ended the film. Um, it just felt, it felt a little bit out of place. So I'm happy that it's in there. Like I, I'm happy for that to be a story that is explored, but just give me more of that and give more time and attention to it and make me care about it more because it was just touched yeah. upon you know yeah it definitely did feel like at the end what was supposedly the emotional crux of the film yeah yet throughout the film besides the beginning where it does kind of act as a main like plot point mm -hmm. it really seems to only serve as a reason to get Arturo's character back into the story right. or it's just kind of one of those things sometimes movies do this where they pepper it in and you can kind of tell, yeah, they're going to do something with that at the end. Mm -hmm. And the only reason something's happening with it now is just so it doesn't feel abrupt at the end. I always right. kind of hate that when I can tell a movie's just showing me something because they want me to remember it later on. Yeah. You know, if, if you yeah. don't have, if it doesn't have reason to be in the movie, it shouldn't be in the movie, but right. then don't rely on it for some sort of emotional payoff at the end. Right. And I think that some hedges are um, bet on it that just mm -hmm. don't pay off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think when you zoom back and kind of look at the story of this film as a whole, I can see that it is a story about generations and family and wanting something better for your future, but needing to, uh, look into your past or resolve past traumas in order to be able to move on. Um, so I can, I can see that <laughs> like after watching the whole thing and zooming back, but Again, if you're, I think if you want it to be what feels like a central point of the story, I just needed more of it, <laughs> uh, essentially. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I agree. 
next, the timeline and pacing, maybe not so much the pacing of the movie, but the timeline throughout the movie is rough. It Mm -hmm. is hard to tell how much time has ever passed, like during these major, in between these major life moments. It may have been a day. It may have been three months. It may have been three years. We don't know. And it feels like there's very little context that helps us know how much time has actually passed. Even um, one of the babies that's used is not a reliable (laughs) source of uh, gauging time because even she doesn't feel like she actually represents the age that she's supposed to be um, Mm -hmm. in the film. So that just felt... Um, it felt confusing at times, like, oh, they, they just slept together. Oh, but now it's been a year. So they actually had a relationship for a year and now she's pregnant and having a baby or like, um, at the end there is kind of a massive thing that happens. And then suddenly it feels like it's resolved, but it, but also (laughs) something else major is revealed and it just doesn't, it just is confusing. Like, have they been apart for three months or has it been, well, no, probably not three months because of one of the pieces of information that we know. So Uh anyways, all of that being said, that felt messy to me. Right. Does it ultimately like, could I not follow the movie because of that? No, it just felt unclean and a little bit annoying. Yeah. The last last thing that I'll mention is that it feels like there are some unnecessary or maybe just unfinished storylines. There is kind of a climax in the relationship of Janice and Anna that is pretty monumental for both of their lives. I just referenced this in the last point. Um, And it just kind of gets resolved (laughs) and we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't see what has happened or, or how, uh, that has gotten resolved, but it feels like a pretty major and significant thing that the movie has been, uh, taking us through the process of discovering or leading to. And then it just kind of feels like, uh, like they're over it (laughs) and there it is. Um, so again, not knowing how much time has passed does add to confusion there, but it also just feels like we're missing out on a major, uh, piece or part of their relationship. Um, and then again, with the relationship between Janice and, and Anna, there is a twist in their relationship that again, feels unnecessary. I won't mention it. You should just watch it and you'll find out what it is. Um, but also never really gets explained. Like it's a thing and then it's not. And maybe that's just relationships and, and testing things out and then coming to the conclusion that it's not, um, what is supposed to happen. But all of that being said, it just felt like there were a few storylines that it, it, that felt unresolved, um, or maybe even unnecessary to include. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the timeline can be confusing to follow. There was a time jump near the very, very start of the film mm-hmm. that audibly caused a gasp in the theater oh. I was in Ooh. because it was so, it was so shocking. So yeah. sudden. Yeah. Um, and again, if you, if I knew a little bit about the movie going in, if you don't know anything, that's going to be even more so the case, which I would almost suggest because it is a movie that has a lot of fun twists and turns mm-hmm. that it, it's going to be a little bit jolting and disorienting whether you mm-hmm. know going in or not. So you might mm-hmm. as well not and just kind of have fun yeah, with the ride. I didn't, I didn't I know guess, anything. I guess now it. you've listened to this review. Yeah. So you do know something about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that I've always known Almodovar as, as a filmmaker to have an elegance to his storytelling and kind of mm-hmm. a clean sweep, even in his more um, exciting films like like the skin I live in um, or his more melodramatic contemplative films like pain and glory, the two that I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this clean sway to the film kind of in one direction. And it feels like a completed arc, like a mm. pendulum swinging from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. 
this is not, this is messy. This is throwing yeah. ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks, Yeah. but it's playful and it's fun. Totally. And, it, yes. and it, it's him just playing around with cinema, with his storytelling. I mean, I think he's to a point in his career where he just loves storytelling and, and mm-hmm. he likes to mess around with it. And do I think that all of it works? No, mm-hmm. but I think that it's fun. And I like to see a playful side from a director like this. So mm-hmm. I welcome a movie like this. It's 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 not going to have a lasting impact on my brain. I mm-hmm. won't remember it for too long, but I I always welcome a filmmaker just having fun with his craft uh, or their yeah. craft that they've fallen in love with yeah. uh, doing. And it, and that's what it feels like uh, from yeah. everyone involved. So. Sure. Yeah, it was, I was entertained and I really was invested the whole time because I genuinely did not know what was going to happen. So mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a fun watch, but I did find myself um, thinking more about the questions that I had and kind of those different things that were like, why did you do that? <laughs> what was your reasoning behind that? Mm-hmm. Um, that is kind of what what I have been sitting with over the past couple of days. So that is Parallel Mothers. It is currently in theaters. Um probably near you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it is actually in theaters near me for yeah. this week. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it will be out for long, but, um, I would imagine that this would be a great one to see once it comes to video on demand or, or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, of course, if you can go see it in the theater, do that first, but yeah. if not, it wouldn't be a bad one to catch, uh, watching at home either. And it's it's won a few smaller scale Spanish awards. It might um, have some recognition come uh, foreign language films for you know the Hollywood awards season. Uh, no guarantees in that. I could see it not getting recognized at all. I could see mm. it getting a solid nomin. Probably not winning anything, but I could see it getting nominated for most major foreign language films categories. So we'll see if we hear more about this in the future. Um, but until then, that was our review of Flea and parallel mothers hope you guys enjoyed thank you as always for listening if you like this review if you want to hear more we do it a lot we review a lot of movies we've got a lot uh you know already done and we've got a lot coming up we're excited that you're here we're happy for you to join follow us on social media at two takes on film and watch as many movies as you can bye bye Have you ever been hacked? What if there was a fish in that cup? Would you still drink the water?